Hey, thanks for checking out the Blake Benz podcast. Your business has a killer message, but nobody knows it because you don't know how to talk about it. And so on this episode, we sit down with Zach Messler, who calls himself the messaging guy. This is hands down one of my favorite episodes. I think you're going to really enjoy it and get some practical steps on how do you really pitch your product and present your business to your prospective clients and customers. Enjoy. Let me know what you think. Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com and I will catch you later. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. Today is going to rock. Here's the deal. Some of the greatest ideas to ever happen simply will not happen. They won't happen. Why will they not happen? Because of miscommunication. That's where my man, Zach Messler, comes in. Zach is the messaging guy, and he can help you know what to say and how to say it so you can make a bigger impact on the world and your wallet. And by the end of this, you're absolutely going to want to check out his website, ZachMessler.com. Zach, how is it going today? Oh, I'm great. How are you, Blake? Man, I'm great. Dude, I, I, I feel so excited to have you here today. And, and already I'm pinging with you, man. I'm reading your bio and I'm like, yes, this guy knows <laughs> what he's doing. Yeah, I, I, it's happy. I'm happy to be here. I love this stuff. And I, I was just telling you before we started, I was checking out your stuff and man, I'm feeling it. <laughs> good synergy going. Love it. Love Dang it, man. Now, now, where are you right now? Where am I geographically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm in the Maryland suburbs of D.C. So I'm just outside Washington, D.C. How's the traffic? Uh, I, I wouldn't know. I don't, really, <laughs> I don't really commute much anymore. So that's good. But yeah, it. traffic's pretty awful here. Yeah. Well, so we have, we have about an hour. We have so much to unpack today. I want to really, I want to hear about your journey a little bit. I want to hear about what you're doing. And I, man, I really want to dig into this concept of messaging because, you know, and I I think you're going to have so many great nuggets for our audience because sometimes like, I feel like I talk to business owners where you're like, you, they feel like their messaging is like premium. Oh, I got this. And then they say what they offer or what they do. And it's, it's either super flat or it's like total gibberish. You're like, you do what? Like, what, what is it? What is it you do? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm sure you get that a lot. Oh, all the time. We'll dig into it. I mean, it's, it's for messaging to be great. It has to be three things and more so than even great to be effective. It has to be three things and we'll dive into those three things. I'm sure, mm-hmm. but it has to be clear. So it has to be understood. It has to be compelling. So it has to grab attention and hold on to it. And it has to be convincing. So it has to persuade your audience to take action, whatever that that action may be that you mm-hmm. want them to take. But if you're missing one of those things, then, well, not so good things happen. Yeah. So so walk me through, give me like the the crash course on your professional journey, and then I'll I'll pick and prod and pull apart. And just, and just right, sure. to get into some more of the details, but yeah, sure. 30,000 foot view about you. Sure. So I, I spent 20 years in product marketing for B2B tech and what product marketing is in that role. It can be a lot of things. What it was for me is I was a translator. So I'm taking complex concepts, complex technology, complex features and try to very inc- incredibly technical stuff 
and translating it so a salesperson can sell it to a number of different audiences, whether it's a technical audience where we can talk about all this technology and complex stuff till we're blue in the face and that's awesome, or it's an executive audience that's not technical at all and we have to, we have to look at how does this complex stuff translate to their world mm. and then everything in between. Mm. So I did that for 20 years. I worked in uh, startups that were either, you know, went public or sold or went out of business. So cut my teeth on the startup. My last experience, I worked at a, a growing company, ended up going public. But towards the end, it was, it was kind of, there's an origin story there. I can dive into it <laughs> if you want. Yeah, totally. Let's do it. So, so this last place where I worked, it was kind of, I feel uncomfortable even talking about it, but it was, it was kind of a toxic environment where I was working. And I was being told constantly what I needed to do. And this is probably about a year and a half in. And the guy running marketing was pretty old school, feature benefit, feature benefit. That's not how you message these days. And I knew, yeah, yeah. excuse so, me, and I knew it was wrong. And let, and let me, let's pause there just for a second because I have listeners who are all over the spectrum in terms of experience. And so I, I want to unpack exactly what you said right there. Uh, feature product, wh what do you mean? What is that? And why does that not work? Sure. So feature benefit is a messaging approach that used to be uh, taught in business school, right? But a messaging approach where you focus on the feature first, the feature of the product and, and product. I use product incredibly loosely. Uh, don't think that for listeners out there, don't think when I say product, don't say, Oh, well, I don't have a product. I have a service. doesn't matter. I'm talking about an offering here when I say product. So it's taking a feature of that offering and then talking about the benefit and how it benefits your audience. That's feature benefit. Now, this, it used to be way, way back in the day, you could do feature benefit and it worked. And feature benefit, if you think of, I always look at car ads. Car ads are awesome to look at to see the evolution of this thing. But there was a car ad, for example, in the, in the 70s for, it was a Chrysler the Chrysler Cordoba. And it, it was, I don't know if you know or remember Ricardo Montalban, I'm probably dating myself here, but he was the dude from Fantasy Island. And he was, he, he had this really awesome uh, accent. And he'd say, you know, welcome to Fantasy Island, <laughs> like one of those. But he did an ad where he was the talking head and, and they're talking about the Chrysler Cordoba and he's showing the car and he opens the door and he says, and it has Corinthian leather. Yeah, it's so okay. comfortable. <laughs> so that's feature benefit. It's Corinthian leather, leather is the feature. And what the heck is Corinthian leather? Yeah, right. But that's the feature. The benefit is, oh, so comfortable. You can't lead with that anymore, feature benefit, because if you do, nobody cares about your product until they mm. do. Yeah. And if you lead with feature benefit, you're limiting yourself only to those people that already want what you have. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a really phenomenal insight because it, it, I was at a, um, it was like a pitch meeting and it's kind of like a thousand or one million cups if you've ever been to something like that where yeah, everyone sure. pitches something. 
Well, so the person, they were, they had like a minute to pitch and she said, you know, we have this special process at our business, yada, 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 yada. And I don't, I don't have a business background. And so for me, it's really funny because I'm working with so many business owners and I don't have like a formal business upbringing. So I don't, I don't know a lot of this stuff. Well, so she's talking about like their special process. And all I could think about was no one cares what your process is. You know, everyone, everyone has, uh, we have a process. That's right. That's right. And so no one, you know, it's just interesting. But I guess that's where she got it from is, is that's typically how people have sold in the past. So I, I say, that's right. That's absolutely right. And, and it's also, you get into bad habits. And as a business owner, you probably love what you do. You wouldn't become a business owner if you didn't love what you do. Hopefully. And yeah, hopefully. And you, you probably have a lot of passion around your, pro, your product, your offering. You want to talk about it but nobody cares about that. And what I see all the time is messaging that leads with the product, with the offering, and then gets in the weeds almost immediately because the person starts geeking out over it. Oh my gosh, and we have this, and we do this, and we do this. And you're right, nobody cares. <laughs> but that's, that feels so harsh though. Like sometimes I talk to, especially uh, <laughs> like, and, and, and you know, I talk to like newer business owners, especially especially younger business owners, like maybe maybe early twenties, and and I say I say those words verbatim, like look, they, you're the average person does not care who you are or what your product is, and it's not in a malicious way. They just it's it's a world inundated with advertising. They just don't care, and I can always it's almost like I've snuffed out someone's dream. It's like <laughs> are you? Are you but they, once they see my product, then they'll care. And it's like, it's, you just got to go around in a different way. It's not. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But that, that's product marketing and, and product messaging and sales messaging. It's what you say and how you say it. And you can talk about your product. It's like, I call it the first rule of, of product messaging. Product messaging is talking about your product. It's, it is talking about the features and it is talking about the benefits and it is talking about the use cases. But the first rule of product messaging is don't talk about the product. Hmm. And what that means is, of course, you talk about the product, but you talk about it in a way where it's not really the product. You're talking mm -hmm. about the challenge or the problem, or you're mm -hmm. talking about the feeling that your, your ideal customer gets when they use your product, mm -hmm. not talking about the product, you're talking about these other things that are peripheral to it. Mm -hmm. That's what attracts people to want to talk about your product. Mm. That's great. Well, I, I, I interrupted your story. <laughs> we went on a wholly different way there. Oh, that's let's, okay. Let's, that's let's okay. dive back. I have a rant. I have a rant on that too. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to it later. It yeah. gets a little profane. I don't know. I love it. I love it. And, and then also just for the sake of our audience, I, I think your hands maybe as you're getting excited are hitting that desk and the mic's oh, picking yeah. it up a little bit. So good. And I, I just want to make sure our audience can really tune in and not okay. like, I don't want them to think I'm like beating you or something. Yeah, so. no, see, I, and I'm a tapper too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get excited about this stuff. No, I can't it's good. It. I so it. we'll get to the rant for sure. I want to go back to the story before we lose it. And sure. so you were, you're working for a boss who was really pushing. So kind of selling. yeah, so the, the, the CMO was pretty old school. And I was being told that I needed to do things. You need to do this. You need to do that. It was, and it, it was stressful. And it was to the point where, you know, I was being yelled at. I was being told what I needed to do and I was ready to quit. And I remember, I mean, I was, I was not sleeping. I was stressed out. And I remember it was, um, 
well, the year doesn't matter, but I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I keep a pad by my bed. I used to, I don't really anymore, but I keep a pad by my bed and I woke up and I had this, this idea, like I, and I wrote it all out and I was going to put it, this was when I was writing a lot of articles on LinkedIn early on and I was going to put it down. I'll post in the morning. I was just so fired up. I went downstairs. I typed it out. It was kind of like my own manifesto and I published it and it's called the key to the universe. And I figured out the key to the universe and I started living that way. So the key to the universe is two things and they have to, they're simple. They're not always easy to do and you have to do them in tandem or else you won't find the key to the universe. The key to the universe is do the right thing. And the idea behind that is if you're good at your job, if you have experience and you have a set of ethics, you know what the right thing to do is in any given business situation. So do it. Mm. Number two is don't be afraid of anything or anyone, but they work in tandem. So the idea is if I'm doing the right, what I believe is the right thing in business, then I'm going to do it. And then I'm not going to worry about the consequences because if I do what I think is the right thing and it fails, okay, well, I thought it was the right thing. I can apologize for it. I can um, explain how I do it differently. That's fine. I can learn from it. If I do the right thing and I get yelled at, well, okay, who cares? I'm being yelled at. whoop de doo If I get fired, okay, I'll find another job. If I am a salesperson and I lose the sale, okay, I'll learn from that and there'll be many more sales. I mean, there's the worst thing that happens from doing the right thing is really not that bad. And so I started living that way. And I had a, it was like my own kind of coming out party for this company. I had to present at a sales kickoff. And I was presenting this messaging guide that I had built. I was given permission to, to present it. I had one slide. And I said to the guy, how much time do I have? He said, you got five minutes. And so I commandeered the clicker. I sat in the back of the room. Um, the CMO presented and the entire room, this is probably a couple hundred salespeople, it was death by PowerPoint, which was perfect for me because I wanted that. Oh, I wanted that contrast. Gosh. I wanted that contrast. And I, I get started and I click it and I'm all the way in the back and this music comes on. Do you know the song um, Safe and Sound by Capital Cities? Mm -mm. Um, I kind of want to play it, but it's, yeah. it has a, let me find it real quick. It has a, a real good beat to it. Um, so it started with that and it was like every every so often or like every four beats i'd stop change the the um change the screen let's do safe and sound there it is okay here's the here's the song yeah hold it up to the microphone ready to click and what was on the screen were all of the messages that I was told I had to use. So click, our product is the best. All the analysts say we're amazing. Like all of these, these chest beating type things are up there. And then when it gets to this one point, 
Yeah, this is so all of the stuff. It gets to the one point right here. The screen goes black, and it says, "Big whoop, none of it matters." Mm. And so I'm like, I'm the calling out all of this messaging that I was told I have to use, and I said, "No, it sucks. I'm not going to use it." And and from there, I had all eyes in front. I get to the front, and I said, "Okay, what makes what makes a killer message? What makes a what makes a message work?" And I talked through it, and then I—that was a setup for this sales pack, which is a—you know—it's a messaging guide for a company, for a sales team, for a marketing team that pretty much gives you a bible of what to say and how to say it. it goes deep on audiences, product marketing. I got a standing ovation. I'm walking off the stage, and the VP of sales and the VP of marketing there, and they're just nodding. Like, that was really good. And from that point on. I just stopped doing what I was told when it was when I knew it wasn't the right thing. I'd push back, but I'd just do what I thought was right. And I was there another two and a half years, and it it changed. I mean, it changed everything. It was um, the yelling stopped. I made really amazing relationships with the sales team. I was super close with the sales team, and did the best work of my career there. And towards the end, it was one of these things where I wanted to help more people. I loved what I was doing. I got moved out of product marketing, which is probably some political power play. But, you know, I, I, I wanted to go back to messaging and positioning and I couldn't do it at that company. And I just wanted to do my own thing. I was kind of sick of being told I had to do this, had to do that. So mm -hmm. I jumped. And mm -hmm. here I am now. So now I'm I'm a messaging and positioning positioning advisor for entrepreneurs and small to medium sized businesses. I love working with B two B tech, but I mean I have clients who are solopreneurs. I have a a client who's a, a mindfulness and meditation coach. You know, it's it spans the gamut. Um, a couple companies, tech companies. You know, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Man, wow! There's so much to unpack from that story. <laughs> I. So first of all, I really like your insights on positioning your brand and your, your messaging in the sense of, so over the summer I read how to win friends and influence people Sure. and people have told me to read it for forever and I just never got around to reading it. So I finally read it. And one of the, the key insights I took from that book was how the best businesses and the best salespeople spend all their time talking about their customers and what it does for the customer rather than the worst companies. It's really, the, it's the feature feature whatever feature benefit they say well, well we've been in business this long and we do this for you and you know yada yada, yada. it just just doesn't work and it sounds like you've really honed in on that concept in your own way in a way that was really compelling yeah for sure yeah. well it's this gets back man i mean we could go in all different directions here but this gets back to those three core attributes of amazing business communications compelling is is super important if you can't grab attention if you're clear and convincing but not compelling you're not going to sell anything because you're not grabbing attention you're not keeping attention compelling is important so tell me tell me what the three things are one more time clear compelling convincing. Okay. Three so, C's. So let me, let me push on it a little bit and you sure. tell me how to apply this the right way. Sure. One of the, my, my biggest, and I was literally just on a phone call yesterday with the guy about this. 
And he was just sort of agonizing about how if you get on Facebook, YouTube, whatever, you will absolutely at some point see the ad of the person in front of like Lamborghini or in front of like the mansion. And and I've been parts, I've been part of like these these marketing groups in the past where there'll be people who are, you know, they're making six and seven figures. And the advice they're giving to the group is, hey, go rent that Airbnb at the top, you know, that condo for the night and film yourself and act like it's your place or go rent the car. And so these things are all very compelling and they they absolutely cause the person to stop scrolling. But But the flaw here is that it's inauthentic, it's disingenuous, and it doesn't build a brand long term, right? And so absolutely. How, so how does be, that well fit? look that that may be that may be compelling to their audience and it's not a long term play. You know, that's not something I would ever do, but it's not a long term play. You look at it now, the, the bro marketing is getting called <laughs> it's getting called out. I mean people don't it's not working anymore. And it was kind of a quick fix or a quick hit type of type of punch. Mm. Um, and you're right. It's not authentic, mm. but it could be if it was compelling for that moment, if yeah. it grabbed attention and held on to it and they were clear and their messaging was, was convincing. Well then, yeah, I mean, then it, then it worked and it did work. There's a reason why these people said, Hey, what you need to do is rent a Lamborghini and rent a." There's a reason why they said that because it yeah. was working. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean you don't feel slimy. Doesn't, <laughs> and it doesn't mean that, that, that authentic, uh, that word bugs me, but uh, we'll get into that too. Auth- it doesn't mean that authentic people have to use that tack, hmm. but if it, it worked, so it was compelling for yeah. a certain <laughs> amount of time. Yeah. So why don't, what, talk, let's talk about authentic. Why don't you like the word authentic? I think it's overused. I think yeah. you can't, you know, I see people, it's kind of like expert, right? You can't call uh, yourself authentic. You can't call yourself an expert and be credible. I can't yeah. say, oh, I'm authentic. If I'm telling you I'm authentic, then I'm not being authentic. It's kind of like, um, so I love, you're exactly right. People who say they're the expert. It's also, I see it with salespeople who say, well, man, I just want to, I just want to give you value. You know, I just want, yeah. I just want to lead with value. And I'm like, okay, we can't all so at some point, we have to understand this isn't like the Staples easy button. Like you can't, I'm, I want to lead with value. I want to give you value. Oh, well, then I want to buy from you. Let's do it. And so it's, I can see people that. People don't understand. People don't understand that some of these things like authenticity, like leading with value, these are things that you show or you do. They're not things that you say. You can lead with value. I mean, this ties back to how buyers have changed, man, we could go deep all day on some of this stuff. Oh my gosh. This is how buyers have changed. So people, because of this thing, it's because it's because of this thing. Um, Buyers have changed. Everyone has access to information, often more information than the seller does, or at least as much information as the seller does. And like we said, Nobody gives a shit about your product. Nobody cares how, there's the rant. Nobody cares how great you are. Um, As a buyer, I don't want to hear about you giving me value. I want you to show, you know, I want to see it, but I want to experience it for sure. But if you're telling me that you're giving me value, then you've lost me. Mm. The, The buyer has to come to that, that decision 
on their own. It has to feel, even if they're not, they have to feel like they're coming to that decision on their own. They need to feel like they're in control and they largely are in control. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just unpacking. <laughs> I don't have a follow-up question. I'm just, I'm, I'm listening and I'm unpacking and it's like, yeah, I agree. You know, I, no, we'll go back to car ads. I, I wrote a <laughs> long piece on this. I'll shoot it to you after. Um, and maybe give you a link for your your uh, yeah. for our audience today too. Yeah. So um, you can see this in car ads, and it's really cool to see. But you know, there's an ad I like to the the two ads I like to contrast are one's a Lexus ad from I think 2004 2005, and it's smarmy that now smarmy then suave Lexus guy who says, you know, it's for the RX350, which is their uh, SUV, one of their SUVs. And it's all about the the RX350. And it's, you know, um, the all-new Lexus RX350, putting the world on notice yet again. And you're like, icky, you know? <laughs> and then I contrast with an ad from 2016, which is for a Subaru Forester, um, there's another Lexus ad we could talk about too, but the, the Subaru Forester ad, you know, they started doing names of ads for awards and it's called checking on the kids and you can do a search on YouTube and find it. But it, it, it shows parents in the beginning checking on their kids. So it's, um, and the, even the copy is you can check on them. You can worry about them. You can even choose a car for them. And as you check, you know, you can check on them. You see a mother like handing the keys over to a kid and checking. You see another mother then with um, on Halloween opening the candy and checking in on it. A father sitting in his forester watching practice and checking on the kid. All these different scenes. And then for the you can even choose a car for them. You see a woman driving. And she's broadsided, crash, and the screen goes white. And all you hear, I'm going to get teary. All you hear is her, the, the woman saying, honey, you, honey, are you okay? And you hear this little pip squeaky voice, I'm okay. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. So the, the core value that they're getting across there is safety. And it's not just safety, it's the safety of your kids. So that's the difference between that old school feature benefit, the all new Lexus RX 350, more powerful than ever, you know, putting the world on notice yet again. And love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Or honey, are you okay? I'm okay. Yeah. There's a Lexus ad too for the RX 350 that is similarly not about the car, but about the life. So it's, it's called Live the Life. And you see um, a, a valet get a car, get the keys from Jude Law. And then you see it's all first person. It's a minute long ad, which is really long for a car ad. And you just, it's all, there's no words. You just see the music's going and you see him like driving the car. You see him you know, pulling up to a uh, door and, and, you know, knocking on the door that the window opens, a little monkey's there. He lets him in. It's this big party. He's in the pool, like this crazy life. And then at the end of the ad, he pulls it back in, tosses Jude Law the, the keys. And you, then you hear Lexus live the life. Hmm. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> so like, it feels like, 
it feels like some of these ads, like especially the Subaru one you just described, like you hear about these ads and it's, it's very, it's, it's very clearly magic. Like you hear it and you're just like every part of it, you're like, yes. And you know, the executives when it was, you know, demo to them were probably all in the room. Yes, this mm-hmm. is, this is amazing. So the magic of that, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So the magic of that, that's messaging. It's all messaging, but the magic and positioning, but the magic of that is taking it to the next level, right? The next level, I don't know if it's up or down, probably down. The next level down, it's like I had an argument on LinkedIn last week. Not really an argument, really. That's not really fair. But a guy said, was talking about, it's age old. You don't sell the, the quarter inch drill bit. You sell the quarter inch hole. Like, no, you don't. You don't. That's it's getting there, but it's taking it deeper, taking it a level deeper, like the Subaru ad. I'm not selling the the quarter inch hole. I'm selling the pride that I that I feel as a parent that I have secured my built-ins to the wall. I am uh, selling the confidence that I have that my kids are going to be safe when they try and climb up said wall unit to get to my stash of Hershey bars that I hide at the top. I know it's not going to fall on them. That's what you're selling. You're selling that feeling. You're selling that, that, um, what that, what that buyer is looking for. We're looking to get out of this. Nobody cares about the hole in the wall. Yes. That's what they're using the drill for, Mm. but nobody cares about the hole. They care about what that hole is there for. What's that there for? Why am I doing it? People don't take that next step. That next step is where all the magic is. Wow. And, and as you explain it, it, it makes so much sense. And yet you see companies with astronomical budgets who somehow, I, 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 and, and maybe I'm being too generous, but I, I envision some of these larger massive, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, market cap companies is having, you, you would assume the best of the best in the business. And yet you see these massive flubs. You know, one great example is the Kardashian uh, Pepsi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And it was like, and, and everyone panned it. It was like, this was awful. This was terrible. But part of the, my thinking was, how did that happen? You know, cause you have a, you know, a major company and, it's, it, I mean, it can be ego. That's the same thing. It's like, my product's awesome. I know it's great. Mm. It's the best. Mm. You know, it's the same thing, that company where, where I, you know, my, my whole origin story <laughs> coming from that company, even while I was still there around me, it was still a lot of chest beating and, and we're the best, we're number one, we're the hero of the story. Mm. And you're never the hero of the story. Your ideal customer is the hero of the story. That's powerful. I also don't want, I don't want listeners to think that all this is is advertising. It's not. It's not at all. I mean, messaging is what you say and how you say it. And that can be in, that can be in an ad. I doubt many small businesses and entrepreneurs are spending any money on, on ads these days, at least not TV ads, maybe Facebook ads. But it can be what you say, what you write. It can be what you write in a Facebook ad or on a social media post. It can be uh, what you write in any sort of 
sales enablement stuff or Marcom stuff. It can be what you say in a sales situation, how you present. It's what you say and how you say it in any situation. And it applies. How looking at these ads, you can learn from them to uh, and apply these learnings to your own messaging across any media. Mm-hmm. How do you help people with like the disconnect of the the average maybe new business owner who in their minds the message is clear it's it's in their mind it's magic but no one's really interested how, how do you help someone understand that the way you're describing it or the way you're talking you know you're spending all sure. your time on the whole versus sure yeah, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be like that that woman who did the pitch talking about our process <laughs> so, <for a> <laughs> so my process is is pretty or method is incredibly simple. We answer three questions. So what is it? We're talking about your offering now or, or your company, whatever, but it, we're talking about it. What is it? What does it do? And why does it matter? It's why does it matter to your audience, whatever that audience may be? Uh, What is it? What does it do? And why does it matter? And it's simple. It is not easy. It's deceptively complex. Um, complex is the wrong word. It's deceptively difficult. So what it is, is quite literally what it is. What it does is quite literally what it does. Why it matters has to come from your audience's perspective because it's why it matters to them. And if you think about things that way, why does this matter to my audience? It forces you to take that, that perspective and when you take that perspective, that's when you can get to that next level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an insightful point because I think also your audience, I think sometimes people, it feels like they know, or even for my own journey, I know why my offer matters, but I didn't know the terminology in how they talked about it. And that's super important. So we're there's, talking about the same like, thing, but yeah. they feel like we're not talking about the same thing. And so I have to re I have to listen and retrain myself to hear it from how they see it. One of the things that I do, that is a super important point right there. Frame it the way that they see it and frame it the way that they say it. So one of the things that I do with I do for myself and I also do with clients and I teach them how to do this is I I do customer research. It's audience research. It's, I I have a spreadsheet I use and it's, you know, if I know the problem in the words of my audience and can articulate it in the words of my audience, if I know the feeling that they get when they're frustrated by that challenge, if I know the feeling they get and how they articulate it, I know the feeling they get when they address that challenge successfully, all of a sudden I have all this rich language that I could use. I want to get back though to what it is, what it does, why it matters. So practical is an example of this. I want to see myself do this so I know that you can see it. So this, what is it? Glass of ice. It's a, it's a glass. Forget the stuff in it for a second. Okay. Just, no. just what is it? It's a glass. But if you didn't know what a glass was, what is it? It is a cylindrical hollow container made out of glass, right? What does it do? Hold stuff. There you go. Holds liquid. Why does it matter? Well, when you come on a podcast and you want to drink seltzer, it's kind of rude to open up the bottle and just (laughs) 
take a swig. And so you have this glass and you can pour it in here. Well, that sounds good. I should do. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. I was like, this guy is a genius because it sounds so good. <laughs> there you go. I'm much more civilized when I just sip it out of a glass. Don't you want to be more civilized when you come on a podcast? Hmm. Why it matters. Hmm. You know, it's funny but, too. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no you go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to say it, something else that you're, you're doing a really great job of is because you've, I can tell that you really understand your business because it just how you naturally act checks a lot of boxes for me in the sense of, so I had this boss at one point who was a phenomenal salesperson and he, his whole rule of thumb for selling well was people have five senses, you know, touch, taste, whatever all five of them are. <laughs> and you, most salespeople go to the sense of listening or hearing in the sense of, I tell them what I do for them and hopefully they buy. And he was like, you know, the magic and great salespeople are people who hit on all five senses. And he talked about how, and this was a company that was putting uh, corn, canned corn on Walmart shelves. And so when he went to the sales meeting, he actually like opened the can of corn and he opened the competitor can of corn and poured them both out. <laughs> and I was like, what do you notice about ours versus the competitor? And it was like, well, y'all's looks, it's more vibrant. It's, it's, it has a deeper yellow color. It's brighter. It's, oh, and the texture, it's, it's like, it's firmer. It's not mushy in it. Oh, and it tastes great too. And two things that you've done so far is you've played that song. And then just now as you were, as you were pouring the Alka-Seltzer, I was thinking how tangible that is. And so just your natural, just how you operate. I'm like, okay, this guy, you know, it, it feels like it's part of your DNA. It, it, yeah, it feels like it's part of my DNA to me too. I've been doing this for 20 years and I love it. I love it. It's why I do this now. Like mm. it's, it's, my mission is to help people know what to say and how to say it. And, and you said it on the intro because when it, it's the most important thing in business, if you can't communicate effectively, you're going to fail mm. or at the very least, you're not going to be as successful as you could be. Mm. I believe that. Yeah. And that's why I say it. You know, I, I, I help you know what to say and how to say it so you make a bigger impact on the world and your wallet because you're not going to make a bigger impact on the world. At, regardless, whether it's purpose-driven or not, you're not going to make a bigger impact for your customers if they don't understand what you're selling because then they won't buy. And if they don't buy, well, then you're not making an impact. And if they don't buy, you're not making an impact on their lives or the world. And you're certainly, if they're not buying, not making an impact on your wallet. And I like how you partner those together too, because I've noticed some people, their thinking is, I have to choose. I have to choose impact or wallet. And it's, it's, and my thought is always why. Like, why would you not? Yeah. You, you can make the impact and be paid well for what you do. I mean, that's- That's absolutely you know. right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And you're also right that that there are a lot of people that don't believe that they are they can be together that they have to be I can go one way or the other and it's definitely not true. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like, you know, if it's like the more religious like money money the root of all evil thinking or like the love of money and so I think people sometimes they feel well if I want to live financially stable. It's, it's for some reason that's in contradiction to living a moral life. And I, I don't think it has to be. I think you can. Oh, and I, in fact, I think that those people that say that are mistaken at best and selfish at worst, because you look at it this way. 
if you have something, an idea, a product, an offering, a service, whatever, if you have something that can impact the world, don't you have, don't you have the responsibility to share it with the world? And don't you have the responsibility to make sure that people are using this thing, buying this thing, what, uh, you know, buying this thing comes in with the money piece because without that money piece, you can't continue to do what you're doing, helping the world. You need that wallet piece. If you don't have that wallet piece, the impact piece it goes away. Mm. If you can't sustain your business, you don't have a business. You don't have to make tons of money, but you do have to make money. Mm-hmm. Or else you're out of business. Yeah, I think of two examples, both nonprofits. One of them is out of business. And I was doing some work with them and we were trying to add, we, there was an answer that would add $15,000 to their budget, which for a nonprofit can be fairly meaningful. Sure, sure. And I said, okay, if you do these things, you'll add 15 grand to your, your annual revenue, which would be massive. What, what could you do with 15 grand? And they said, ooh, well, we really don't like to think of it that way. We try to only make as much money as we need to go on and spend, which for any business is incredibly risky. Sure. And sure enough, they eventually went out of business. And I don't mean this harshly, but when they went out of business, I thought, I'm not surprised. The second nonprofit is a multi-million dollar nonprofit. And the CEO, her whole philosophy is no money, no mission. And so her thinking is, yes, we're a nonprofit, but how do we make this thing a well-oiled machine? Because if we're going to have a meaningful impact on our community, we have to fund the beast. We have to keep the lights That's on. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's like that, that for, any, for any business. And if you are, you in the audience, like if a listener is someone who feels uncomfortable about sales or uncomfortable about making money. I don't want to make money. I just want to help people. Well, you can't help people if you don't make money. You can't because then you, you will run out of, of money to live and then you're stressed. You know, you, you get to a point where this was me early on, you know, you're, you're not seeing the revenue come in. Well, how are you going to pay those bills? How are you going to, like, it's, you know, you, it, having a job for me was so much easier than having a business. <laughs> it really was. And it, it was a, a absolute mindset shift needed to happen. Now it did. And I'm two years in most businesses. I've heard a stat. Most businesses fail within the first year. So I'm two years in. That's awesome. I mean, I, I, put systems in place. I'm continuing to put systems in place. The most important thing was I changed my mindset. If you are, if you are struggling, if you struggle with selling and if you struggle with making money, the idea of, Oh, I feel, it feels icky to ask people for money. Well, then you're not going to be around to help people. That's that mindset shift. It's, I need the money to be able to it's money for the mission. Mm-hmm. I, the money drives being able to do this stuff. If I make more money, I can help more people because I can grow my business. Mm-hmm. I can invest in my business. Mm-hmm. I can still live. I can pay myself and do all those things that I need to do. But then I can also invest in my business, grow my business so I can help more people. 
Mm-hmm. And how, how does that, how does someone flip their mindset, especially, and I see this a lot on pricing where I was talking to someone who he had started like a business coaching company and he was like, man, I'm just burned out. And I was like, well, let's talk about one of your clients. And he was like, well, I have this one client we meet every week and it's like, there's like 20 hours on call per month. And overall it was something like 30 hours a month. He's working with this guy. And I was like, it seems like you should be doing really well. And he's, I said, how much are you charging? And he said, 250. And I go, okay, well, 250 an hour is a pretty low rate, but that's, that's a lot of work though. That's, and he goes, no, no, I, I charged him $250 for the month. And I thought, what are you doing, man? This isn't sustainable. And he said, I don't think I'm worth more than that. And I said, clearly this person does, you know, that calling you for 30 hours in a month, but it's just, I, I noticed people, they so, struggle sometimes. Yeah. I mean, people, you, you have to kind of suspend your own belief, right? I'm constantly raising prices. I am. I'm constantly raising prices and it's seeing what the market will bear. It's not a personal thing. You know, I don't, I don't discount. I never discount. It is, you want to work with me or you don't. And if, if you can't afford to right now, there are ways I have to work. I've installed different offerings. So if you want to work with me, there's a way to work with me that doesn't cost a whole ton of money. Uh, but anyway, I want to get back to your question. For me, there are two things. First of all, um, oh, I have another story I want to tell, but it has nothing, it, it ties to this <laughs> loosely. It ties to this loosely. So we'll get to it in a bit. It's about my brother. So remind me of my brother's story. He's a photographer and we have a whole, there's a whole business case there. It's really fun. So, um, man, I totally lost my train of thought. I was thinking about my brother. <laughs> oh, oh, we're mindset, talking about mindset. Mindset, yeah, yeah, mindset. Yeah, yeah. So for me, the, there, there are two, two mindsets that were key for me. First one was in terms of selling. I was uncomfortable. So selling is hard. I've been a marketer my whole life. I had, I already had respect for salespeople. I have mad respect for salespeople. Selling is hard. And I changed the, the, the uh, words in my brain around selling because I knew I had to sell to grow my business. I knew I had to sell to stay in business. And it was incredibly uncomfortable for me. I didn't like to ask people for business. And I I changed it because I know that I can help people. I know when I can help people. And I know that I can help people. It's one, it's a recognition in yourself that whatever it is that you do, you're great at it. And, And if you recognize that you're great at it and you want to help people, then help them. So now when I do a sales call, my sales calls have kind of changed. But when I do a sales call, I don't go into it thinking I have to sell this person. I go into it thinking I want to help this person. I know I can and I know that I can't continue to help people if this person doesn't pay me for the value that I'm delivering. And so that's what it became. It became a I'm going I'm going to help this person. And my sales calls started out as I'm going to take an hour. So I have a, an advisory service called the sounding board. And with the sounding board, we work very, it's one-on-one advisory and coaching. Uh, we work together very closely. It's two sessions a month via zoom like this out two hour sessions. And then I 
do, I use an app called Marco Polo, which is, yeah, you know, it's great. So I use Marco Polo with my clients and they can contact me any way they want. I answer with Marco Polo. You ask a question, you get an answer within 24 hours and that's the service. And how I used to do my sales calls is I would give, give an hour I'd, I'd set it up where what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a taste of the sounding board. I'm going to give you an hour. We can talk about whatever you want. If you're not sure what you want, we're going to work on your messaging. And I, I'd walk through things. And after that hour, I'm going to explain the sounding board, how it works. And, and I'm going to invite you to, to buy, to join. It's a subscription. And what I found was my qualification wasn't so great. Um, and so I got a lot of interest. I had a lot of sales calls and I'd get to the end after giving all of this value and the person would say, oh, that's too much money. I'm sorry, I can't afford it. And there I was. So now my sales calls are very different. I don't sell the sounding board up front. What I sell is, I call it a clarity call and a clarity call is walking through. It can be anything, but it's walking through that what it is, what it does, why it matters. And I charge money for that. And at the end, I invite the person to join the sounding board. And if they join the sounding board, I credit that money they spent on the clarity call towards the sounding board. But now that clarity call is a low end offering that is essentially a sales call. It's not, I'm delivering a lot of value, but it's a sales call. Hmm. It's a paid sales call. That's right. And it's love- and it's, But at the same time, to the people that are going through it, it's huge value. I got, I did one a couple of weeks ago with someone who wanted to talk about a proposal. She had a proposal. She's like, my proposal template's really not that good. I know you're, you do messaging. I'd really love to work with you on my, my proposal template. And so I said, book a clarity call. Let's, let's do it. And she did. And it cost her money. And she wrote me this glowing testimonial on LinkedIn And she now, she's at a point too in her business. She said, I'm not sure I'm doing sound. I can do sounding board now, but I'm interested in it. And what I said to her is, look, book more clarity calls. If you want to do sessions, just sessions like that, just book them. I'm happy to do it. Hmm. And so it was a sales call, but it wasn't. She got huge value out of it. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm just thinking from my, I'm like, right now I'm like thinking from my own business. I'm like, man, this is so good. I think what I, there's two things that I really appreciate. One, I, I love how you, you take that clarity call and you discount it off of the sounding board that I think that's great customer service, first of all. And it's a good way of saying, thank you. Hey, you're, you've committed so far and you're committing even more. That's great. Well, and this is important too. I give a week. It's a week. Mm-hmm. You have to book sounding board within a week or else that's gone. Yeah. Second thing I really like that I'm listening to you talk about is um, I always love things that are countercultural. It just things that just stir the pot. And I, man, I just know there has to be salespeople out there who hear you talk about, yeah, you know, I charge people even for that first session, even for the, you know, the sales call or, you know, the strategy session or whatever. And I just know there are salespeople out there who are like, you idiot, how could you charge? You have to. Well, because that's yeah. their, but that's their, because that's their bread and butter. Is you sure. do a free, 
but but the reason I really like the reason I love this is not only because it's it goes against the grain a little bit. It's very smart from like a because you know what's what's one of the biggest detriments to any small business owner? It's their time and their cash flow. That's right. And it's 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 grinding your gears and spinning wheels on things that aren't putting money in the bank. And so, what just what I'm 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 telling you right now, I'm going to steal that for oh, myself. Oh, totally do it. Because totally I, I just think it. it's I think well, it's look great. last month. Here's a great example. I started doing clarity calls in July. In August. I had enough clarity calls that the clarity calls paid for paid me for what would have been a month of the sounding board from one client. Mm, wow. Yeah. So we're, that's great. And it would have been if I didn't have it set up that way. I didn't I had one of those four, all of those four are still prospects for me, mm-hmm. but one of those four signed on as as a sounding board client. Mm. If I if I hadn't done that and those had been free calls. I would have gotten one client out of it. And instead I got one client out of it plus three more, you know, three more that essentially paid for a month of, mm-hmm. of sounding board and there's still prospects. I have yet to do a clarity call and have somebody say to me, thanks so much. See ya. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, just listening to you, I'm and listening to you as we're talking about like money and mission. I, I mean, this is, this is, this was totally me at the start of my journey is that I, so I'm, I'm about to hit one year in business and like the first six or seven months. And again, that my thinking from selling was, you know, you sort of wine and dine people, you know, you give them that hour and then you ask them to buy. And it was the same. It's exactly what you're talking about is I think in one month I had like 12 or 13 wow. lunch, lunch appointments where people had said, Hey, can we go to lunch? And let's talk about my business. And I, and my whole thinking was, yeah, I'm going to be super generous with my time. I'm going to show them that I know what I'm talking about. Well, literally all 12 of these appointments ended with, Ooh, I can't, I just can't, but Hey, I'll buy your lunch. And and so I got home and my wife, I think after the 12th one, my wife, (laughs) she, I mean, she, she is the sweetest, most amazing person in the world, but she sat me down and she said, Blake, you will not go to another free lunch again. Yeah. This yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. But that, that's what I always thought selling well, was though. And the worst part of it too is when you give free advice, people value what they pay for and they get what they pay for, right? So when you give out free advice, you are not only not really helping that person, you're, you're discounting your value in, mm-hmm. in that person's mind. Yeah. I got this for nothing. Yeah. I think a good, uh, so my business is called good advice. I need to tell people, well, do you want good advice or do you want free advice? There you go. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, uh, man, this has been amazing. I, I, I want to, so I spent a lot of time talking about culture and business leadership before we finish up today. I need to hear the story about your brother. Yeah. I want to ask just I want to prod a little bit more on why the yelling stopped because you obviously proved your credibility in your origin story. Sure, sure. But things it's very clearly things flipped for you, and I think that's important for people who I know who are stuck in like middle management hell who feel like they can't they can't make a difference they can't you know it's it's out of their control and you obviously did something that changed the environment it changed your 
you went from a miserable setting to now you're flourishing. And so, and, and it was a lot of that too, was mindset too. Cause thinking back, right. I, I, I remember a time even after that, well after that, that, that same, that same guy started yelling at me. But at this point it was, it was kind of just like, it was like the matrix, you know, the scene in the matrix, I know it's kind of a really old movie now, but it's crazy, but there's a scene at the, the scene at the end of the matrix where Neo realizes that he's the one and, uh, and he's just like, yeah, you know, and, and the matrix, you know, the, um, the matrix guys are all like, like going crazy. And he's just like holding a hand there and like, moving yeah. his wrist and puts one like, hand behind the back and exactly and yeah. like lifting his like it it was kind of like that where the environment around me didn't really change that much i think my perception of the environment changed and i remember this one point where it was around a video that we did and this guy used to get flustered and he um he started yelling about something i don't remember all the details they don't really matter and i just was able to stay totally calm. I, I, uh, I was a philosophy major in school. So, you know, I was, I, I just went all Socratic method and started asking yes, no questions, got him caught in some logic and he would just got so frustrated. He'd like, fine. And he, and he left and I didn't get worked up. I, I am an emotional beast and I live and I die on emotion for sure. And learning how to be more Zen came with having confidence in myself and my ability. This whole idea of what it is, what it does, why it matters, I've been doing it for 15 years. I, I did that for myself for 15 years. And I first put it out there, when I first put it out there, um, it was on LinkedIn. And I was so nervous to put it out there because it was, it's simple. It's stupid simple. It's like, it's, I, I, didn't think that I, I didn't think that people would appreciate it, and I thought that I'd look dumb. I really did, and it sounds kind of cliche. Not kinda. It sounds cliched. Oh, I thought I'd look dumb, but I realized that I was onto something when I was invited to speak at a conference, and this conference. So it's a conference called No Longer Virtual. I'm gonna I'm gonna promote No Longer Virtual. It's an amazing conference. It's run by a woman named Sarah Elkins, who if you're not connected to Sarah on, on um, LinkedIn, you should look her up. And you specifically, Blake, highly recommend connecting with Sarah. She's remarkable. Storyteller and just kind and smart and, and a, real, a real giver of value. And so she invited me to speak at No Longer Virtual. And I was going to present this, these steps. What is it? What clarity? What is it? What does it do? Why does it matter? No longer virtual is limited to about 50 people. And the people that Sarah attracts are just really smart people. And I was super nervous to present this thing because I'm presenting. It was definitely a friendly crowd, but they're super smart people. And I remember, um, it's, it was kind of, it's kind of, I do this as a workshop now too for, for larger companies, small, you know, medium sized companies. And I got to the, I'm explaining what it is, what it does, which people typically get. And I get to the why it matters. And 
people couldn't do it. Oh, even the what it is and what it does, people couldn't do. I remember there's uh, this one woman who's uh, a neuro in neuroscience, and she she has does lectures and and uh, workshops and writes books and does stuff around neuroscience. And I said, okay, what is it? She said, it's demystifying neuroscience. No, that's what it does. What is it? Um, it's neuroscience demystified. No, 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 no. Think of it this way. Is it a service? Is it a, is it keynotes? Is it, what is it? She said, oh, okay. So it's a serve. It's services around neuroscience. Like, okay, that works. Okay. What's it do? It demystifies neuroscience. Yes. Well, let's make that a little simpler. What does it do? It makes neuroscience, you know, it applies neuroscience to business, to your business. Like, yeah, that's what it does. Okay. So these are, you know, again, really smart people and they couldn't do this. And to me now, again, I've been using this method for 15 years. It's, I can get it. I'm a product marketer. It's what I do. But that was the point where it was like, oh my gosh, I am on to something with this. This is this isn't just a hey, I'm going to keep this for myself type thing. This can help a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah, and what a great story! But before we, and it, it's and let me just say, definitely for our our audience who's listening. Um, I think you have absolutely proven yourself credible in the sense of, I think, so I'm going to put your website in the link description or in the uh, show notes. I'm also going to encourage our listeners to look you up on uh, LinkedIn and that's Zach with a C Z A C H uh, Messler M E S S L E R. Before we go, tell me the story about your brother. Oh yeah. So my brother's a photographer and he does corporate photography and he also does event photography, like weddings and that sort of stuff. He was sick of the event stuff. He's just had a couple clients, a couple too many clients that were just pain in the butt clients. And so he said to me, he's like, I don't really feel like doing events anymore. I think I'm just going to raise my rates. And I said to him, his name's Jeremy. And I said to him, Jeremy, you know what's going to happen if you raise your rates? He's like, what? I said, you're going to get more clients. I said, you're going to get different clients for sure, but you're going to get more clients. And he's like, no way. And he did. He raised his rates. He might have even doubled his rates. And he got more clients. And he changed his clientele. So like he was doing, he did, uh, He's out of, of South Jersey, outside Philly. And so he went from doing like these small, like smaller weddings and wherever to, he did one reception at Citizens Bank Park, which is where the Phillies play, where it was just like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Um, and, and he's done now stuff, um, you know, he's done destination events where, you know, he went to the Bahamas to, to shoot a wedding a few years ago. Like, so his, his event business actually ended up blowing up because he raised his rates. Isn't it funny how that works? Yeah. Because people, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, then no one's going to buy from me. My wife, so she, my wife runs a language tutoring business and she, tu- she teaches people Spanish and, and uh, American Sign Language. And when she started out, she was making, it was like $10 an hour or like $15 yeah. an hour. This was like five years ago. 
And I kept being like, you gotta, you gotta go up on your prices. And she's like, no one will ever pay for me. Cause a lot of times what we do is it's like, well, I wouldn't pay for more than that. Yeah. Oh, you know? I got a story around that too. <laughs> and uh, so we finally, she was, I think 18 months ago, she was at 35 an hour and I said, let's go up to 50. She's like, I can't, I can't do that. Finally went up to 50. And this week she was like, I just can't believe she still has a full load. Mm-hmm. From 8 a.m. to 5 Keep p.m. going. That's what exactly what I'm telling Keep her. Keep going. It's just funny how our, our thinking can prevent us from recognizing, again, what the market will bear. This is where... So I, I did training in the corporate world with a, an organization called Pragmatic Marketing. Um, and there are lots of different... You know, it's marketing training kind of like there's, you have sales training companies. Pragmatic marketing is about product management and product marketing. And product, uh, pragmatic marketing has a saying. And they say, when it comes to uh, markets and, and research and what you think, your opinion, though interesting, is irrelevant. And it's true. Because unless you're buying your own service, unless you're buying your own product, you're not the audience. And so the only way to find out what the market will bear is finding out what the market will bear and testing it out. That's why I'm, I told you before, I'm constantly raising my prices. Clarity calls going up next month. Uh, and it is, it's going up. I want to figure out what that price point is. Now I have theories, but they're just theories. And if I rely on my theories without trying it out, without the data to back it up, well, then I could be missing out on opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if I pop it up and all of a sudden I get no calls, okay, I'm learning what that, what that top end is for a clarity call. I don't think I'm close. Mm. And, and I don't think I'm close. And if I were relying on me, I thought that if I think back to when I started this, and it's more significantly more now, at least percentage-wise. It's not that expensive. But it's significantly more percentage-wise now than it was when I started. Um, I mean, it's probably and, – and that's just, that's just since July. So it's, um, so I, it's $350 for a clarity call. I started at – Is it an started, hour? Or? It's an hour. It's an hour. I mean, I, I usually – I have a business coach who tells me that I need to stick to my time, but you know, I love this stuff. So usually if, if, if we're an hour in and we still have some more stuff to do, I want people to get the value out of it. So, Mm. you know, we go a little longer. That proposal template call went, I want to say like an hour and 40 minutes. Um, but that's also why I want to raise the price. Um, but it's, I raised the price and nothing happened in a, in a negative way. Nothing happened. Um, so, you know, next month we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, I, I know what I like too about what you just said of, you know, you have to go to your audience. I, I've also seen that on the flip side. I had a guy who he was, he was thinking about launching this startup and he was like, Hey, I would love for you to tell me if this would work, if this is a good thing to buy, if it yada yada. And I said, well, Am, am I your target market? And he goes, Oh no. yeah. Don't goes, get me started. Yeah. Well, he goes, oh. he was like, no, like I'm trying to, the, the most likely user is going to be like a 45 year old woman. <laughs> and I go, I go, well then why do you care what I think? 
One of the biggest mistakes that I see people make with audience research is posting stuff on Facebook and asking their friends. Or, or because, Reddit or any medium. And it's yeah. like, unless, unless we are your buyer, it doesn't matter what we think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, and not only that, friends are even worse because at least on Reddit, it's anonymous. Yeah. yeah. So if it sucks, people are going to tell you it sucks. And you're going to know because <laughs> people are going to tell you it sucks. But shamelessly post, delete it. <laughs> if you, yeah, right. But if you post stuff on your Facebook and ask your friends, your friends aren't going to tell you if it sucks. Yeah. They'll, they may roll their eyes and be like, oh boy, what are you doing? But yeah. they're not going to tell you. Yeah. Excuse me. It gives you a um, a false sense of security when everybody goes, "Oh, it's amazing. Oh, I love it." Oh, I see the same thing on LinkedIn when people you post. You see you don't see this as much, at least I don't see this as much anymore. Which logo do you like, A or B? Well, you're sending it out to LinkedIn, which may or may not be your audience. Why why are you doing logo research on LinkedIn? It's kind of a, a waste. It's and part gonna, of that's, yeah, part of that gets, tell you anything. Part of that gets a little too pedantic for me too. Like someone, it's kind of like, um, I can't remember the movie, man. It's, it, it would have been like 10 or 15, I think it was maybe um, some movie 10 or 15 years ago. And it's like, I think it was some comedy and the jock in the movie says, hey, what photo do you like more? And it's literally the exact same <laughs> photo. <laughs> And that's kind of how I feel sometimes only in the sense of, again, as an, as a small business owner, your time is so precious. Yeah. I talked to one guy who he said he'd been working on his website and was just trying to launch it. And I was like, well, how long have you been working on it? And he's like about two months. And I said, man, two months on a website, man, I would have shipped that out. I would have shipped that it. out. Yeah. Like six weeks ago. That's way too much time. Website doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, it feels like we well, do that with, with logos too. And yeah, logo doesn't matter. And people think it does. Logo doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Something else I really like too. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book. It's called Passing the Mom Test. Oh, no. And it's it's the whole premise of it. So the mom test is how whenever you, and I don't know if it's a recent book. I just found out about it early this year. But it's basically how if, if you're going to, to launch a successful product, you have to talk to your customers and sell to your customers. And it's called the mom test because everyone's mom will say, yes, of course, <laughs> I love that. Honey, you're going to do great. Absolutely. And, and the whole premise of the book is don't ask your mom, don't ask your friends. You have to go to your customers. Uh, and that's what passing yeah. the mom test yeah. effectively is. So that's anyway. Cool. Yeah. Well, man, we're out of time today. What a phenomenal podcast episode. Yeah, I really fun. appreciate your time. Yeah. For our listeners, let me know what you thought about the episode. Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Definitely follow Zach on LinkedIn. Go to his website, ZachMessler.com. Zach, we appreciate you today and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Blake. Really appreciate it. All right. For our listeners, I will see you next week. See ya.